You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. The Final Furlong Podcast is sponsored by Unibet. Sign up now using code ATR-30 to get your welcome offer. BeGambleAware.org, 18 plus. The Final Furlong Podcast is brought to you in association with AtTheRaces.com, the ultimate resource for racing fans. Welcome along to the Final Furlong Podcast. I'm Emma Kennedy alongside At The Races Pundit and my good friend, Mr. Kevin Blake. Hello! Coming to you later than advertised because I had no power due to some clown getting a JCB and ripping up a load of electrical cables that he shouldn't have. Some people should not be allowed behind big machinery, Kevin Blake. Yeah, sure, look. There you go. <laughs> I hope he's a big angry man that listens to the podcast and comes in and sorts you out tomorrow. I've, I've already, I already know who it is, and uh, the heavies are being sent round to him. Right, the woman who is responsible for the first leading light to hit the track. Little did she think that it would be running as a two-year-old, though. Fresh from Irish Champions Weekend, it's Jane Mangan. Welcome back to the show. Hello. I think um, Mary Mangan might be responsible for that particular horse, but I'll take credit if it's any good. I see. I was just <laughs> going to say that to you. If this horse turns out to be quite decent, although we have had the long-winded story about the fact that the Mangan dogs are clearly eating well, because as Kevin says, <laughs> dogs love horse testicles, and he's a gelding. <laughs> That's a terrible analogy. <laughs> now, Maybe... now, now, Kev, you're putting your place. Like, good flat horses have been gelded too, you know. True. Serious as ongles. Um... Not that we intended for him to really be a jumper, but I, I'll, take, I'll take whatever he can win if he can win anything at all. If he turns out to be good, it was all Jane's work. If not... Blame it on your mother. Right, Roaring Lions uh, made the journey over to Leopardstown, and it was a very rewarding one. He clearly is the dominant 10 furlong horse in Europe this season, and he'd obviously thrash winks were they ever to actually meet. Um, <coughs> this was uh, pretty impressive, and uh, his old rival Saxon Warrior went down fighting, literally. Uh, he's had to be retired. We'll dwell on that in a little bit. But, Kevin, first of all, plaudits to you because if you listen back to Thursday's show you call this race exactly as it played out um yeah look, look I, I like I said at the time I, I didn't think there was any harm in talking about it before the race because I don't think I'm sure Oshin Murphy more than anyone would have been aware of what was likely to pan out in front of him but there wasn't a whole lot he could do about it he had to drop in from stall eight. He couldn't go forward from stall eight. He's on a horse that can get very fizzy and would need a bit of cover. 
And, you know, his his main attribute is a searing turn of foot. So he was always going to have to drop in. And um, the, the Ballydoyle runners, you know, didn't go quick in front. Saxon Warrior was very much in the right spot. He quickened coming into the straight. And, uh, and Roaring Line had a real task on. And he had to be a proper horse to go and run him down. And he duly did. And I thought it was a, a brilliant performance. Only won by a neck, obviously. But he was valued for more than that. Um, you know, is a fabulous horse over 10 furlongs. I'd love to see him over a mile. I think he definitely has the pace for that job. Um, and look, Saxon Warrior, you know, went out in his shield. He hung all the way down the straight. And we've, we've, we've found out after the race that he ruptured a tendon. So one can only imagine that he was going very much going through the pain barrier as best he could late on. So for him to go so close is a credit to him. Um, I thought he looked super in the prelims in terms of how he was handling the occasions. You know, he got a bit fizzy at the curl. He got a bit fizzy. Um, well, not so much fizzy, but just warm and on his toes. And he did the same at Sandown. I wasn't there at York, so I can't recall what he looked like there. But he was very much took it all in, in his stride um, on Saturday. So no excuses on that front. But really unfortunate that we won't get to see him again at a mile. I've been really looking forward to that. But he had a very good career. Um, some will consider him a disappointment after what he did in Newmarket. But for me, his two runs in defeat to, to Roaring Lion were, were excellent efforts, not far off what he did in the Guineas. And um, yeah, I'll remember him fondly. But, you know, the, the horse of the moment is Roaring Lion and we, we very much have more to look forward to with him. And um, it'll be fascinating to see where they want to go with him next. Yeah, and we'll stay on the Roaring Lion subject before we, we talk about Saxon Warrior with Jane as well. In terms of the ride... Yeah, well, like, I suppose Kevin Kevin has really said it all there. Like, it was never going to be straightforward for Oshin having ha- four of the seven runners be from Ballydoyle. I thought all the Ballydoyle riders played their role. Um, I thought... On first spec, Roaring Line had to be five lengths better than Saxon Warrior to catch him, the way the race was ridden. And mm. as it later emerges, that Saxon Warrior, you know, it was pretty clear that he, all he wanted to do was go in over the rail up the straight, and that's not like him. Um, and it, as it emerged, he had he had injured himself. So it, it, it is a great duel up the straight. It's a pity... A bit like Alpha Centauri, like it's a pity that we didn't get to see a horse deliver his 100% ability because I know it looks great and admirable that he went down in defeat, but he must have been capable of better if he had been 100% crossing the line. But look, take nothing away from the winner. I thought Saxon Warrior got first run on him. He really had to quicken and it was just a great race. It, it only takes two horses to make a good race. You know, a couple of years ago we had Highland Real, Minding, Found, Almanzor, Harzand, all of them line up in that race. This year, we didn't have the same quality of lineup, but we still had two stars, and they made it the exciting race that it was. Mm. Well, well said. And there was obviously a huge amount of market support, more so than we might have thought for Roaring Lion on the day. There was still support for Saxon Warrior, but you had to think, I certainly did, God, he's going to do him, and I'd given up on him. Um, and it just, it looked as though he had him, and there Oshin Murphy manages to come through was it a brilliant ride Kevin or was it just a case of Oshin had to as you were talking about with the tactics that he just had to let it all unfold and then trust that his horse would get there um, I wouldn't call it a, a brilliant ride but what he did you know like I say I think he did what he had to do and what any rider in the circumstances would have had to do you know you have to ride the horse 
um, not the race every time, you know, and that, that he had to ride his horse um, to, to make the best of him. Uh, one thing that I would say, though, is that he did have a decision to make of when he launched his bid. And uh, I think he did so a little bit earlier than some might have. And I think that was very important because he, he, he asked him a little bit earlier than, than many would have. And I just I think that going through the gears that little bit earlier w- was important in him getting there on time. I think if he'd waited until they were, they were properly straightened up, it might have been too late. Um, so I, I'd give him credit for that. I'm not knocking him, you know, but I, I just wouldn't be pouring adulation on the ride. Um, it was clearly if a it, very good If it ride, was run on the uh, inside track, Kevin, would he have got beat? Ooh, that would have been very interesting. Well, there's one. Definitely. It would have made his task certain. It would have made his task much more difficult, you'd imagine, because that inside track does you know, marginally favour those that are in a position like Saxon Warrior was on the front end, and instead they run race, sprinting. You know, he he could have started sprint. He could have Saxon Warrior could have launched his sprint that little bit earlier, perhaps as well. And you know, Roaring Line, if he wanted to launch his bit at the same time, would have had to you know probably go wider and be turning for longer during that during his bid. So it would definitely have made it more interesting. And you'd have to say, given a neck was the margin, that might well have made the difference. Where next for Roaring Line? Is it going to be Champions Day and and the Champion Stakes, or could they go for the QE two? Oh, I'd love to see him in the QE2. I really would. I really would. I think they have absolutely nothing to lose in doing so. And he's a multiple Group 1 winner over 10 furlongs now. Um, you, one could say he's he's done all he needs to do over 10 and he could only enhance himself by uh, winning a Group 1 over a mile. Like I say, I, I would have no doubt he has the pace to do that. And the concern, I suppose, for Ascot in you know mid October, late October as it is, um, the ground could be you know quite testing at that stage, and that would be a concern. Um, God, Breeders' Cup Mile would be fun. I've no yeah. idea if it's on their agenda at all, but he's that would up. that would be a fun alternative if he's priced up for that and the Breeders' yeah, Cup the, turf. If, interestingly, now it is going to be a tighter track, so he'd probably get away with the twelve furlongs. But I imagine they'd be keener to stick to ten. I heard um, yeah, a, look, he, he could... an interesting thing that John Gosden, who obviously spent time in America, and he's just such a knowledgeable man. He thinks that the horse would get ten or get twelve furlongs uh, around three bends, which is what the Breeders' Cup will be. Yeah, uh, the, the mile and a half. So I think he could go either way. He's a, he's a serious turn of foot, and he travels really strong. I don't know why they'd stretch him out to a mile and a half. I think he would be very effective at a mile but look we'll see but especially now with Alpha Centauri obviously not going there uh, the Breeders' Cup mile looks could be the ideal race for him and just finally on this race uh, Deauville's were a huge one uh, Study of Man was bitterly disappointing bringing the French form over in terms of Saxon Warrior Kevin was saying he'll remember him fondly I will too how will you remember him and how do you rate him as a stallion prospect and as a racehorse chain oh well he has has everything you know last season he was just so good and so unexpectedly good because his physique is so big and strong and they really didn't expect a lot from him as a two-year-old the the vibes were when he went to the racing post trophy that anything would be a bonus and you know that was a very good renewal of the racing post trophy he came out of it very well and when he won the guineas I just thought the world was his oyster you know I, I didn't know whether he'd stayed the derby trip and when he didn't look 
a lot of speculation has been on on his programming this year. He ran such a good race to Roaring Line in the Carl Eclipse. It was a disappointment when he didn't do the same in the Judmont. Um, but then Aiden was very open with how affected he was by the, the bug in the yard. And didn't he prove his worth when he came back um, last Saturday? But look, I, I'll remember him for being just such a tough performer. And that turn of foot he showed in Newmarket was just brilliant. Like that was a very, very good renewal of the guineas. You have a derby winner in Massar in third, Roaring Line finished fifth. Gustav Klimt is in behind. You know, they're all group one proper horses. And uh, I think, look, he's very exciting being probably the highest on a deep impact to to retire to stud in Europe out of a Galileo mare who won a, a group one herself from the family of Oaks winners, uh, Dancing Rain, down to Dr. Devious. You know, it's a it's a, a wonderful family that Coolmore have nurtured through the years. And I've no doubt that they intend to support him with everything they have. Yeah, you can only be frustrated as to what might have been had he gone for the QE2. But unfortunately, injury has robbed us of that. It's also robbed us of, of arguably the star of the entire season in Europe, Alpha Centauri, who I thought Gary O'Brien did a brilliant job to be at pains to highlight just that something wasn't quite right in the final furlong. Um, she clearly went to one side, uh, took a false step, that ended her momentum. Now take nothing away from Lawrence and we'll talk about her first because it was great to see her regular jockey PJ there. Um, he's battling injury at the moment. Daniel Tudop has given the horse a fantastic ride. She's been an absolute star for Carl Burke, a Group 1 winner last season as a juvenile. She starred in France, now won in Ireland. Um, they seem pretty keen to win a Group 1 in the UK as well. And and it was a big shock, as Jerry Hannon said in commentary, Jane, but she was really, really game and very classy on the day. I suppose it was a shock in that people were shocked that Alpha Centauri was getting beaten. But Lawrence is a Phillies mile winner. She won the pre-San Allery and earlier this year and then she went on and won the Prix de Diane. She's a fantastic filly. She's mm. a three-time Group 1 winner herself. It was blatant in the Yorkshire Oaks that she didn't stay so you could put a ruler through that and bar that she has no blip in her cop- copybook. Uh, she got a very good ride from the front dictated everywhere and it's look what happened is a bit of a pity that Alpha Centauri just didn't get to show her true colours at home in front of a home crowd but this this race had a, a lot of strength and depth to it in that Clemmy was a Group 1 winner and Happily was a Group 1 winner as well. And they're a length or two off them in behind. So it was a very good performance. And it was just lovely for Carl Burke, you know, somebody who has done so well with the horses that he has given. And uh, just in recent years, he's been getting a little bit more quality and he has done such a fantastic job with this filly so far. It was lovely that she came over because if she hadn't come over, we'd all be just saying... Alpha Centauri this, Alpha Centauri that. It would have been very easy for them to stay at home. But thank God they came over and they made a proper race of it. And uh, look, she's 6-1 six, six now from nine starts. She's a star filly in her own right, really. She really is a star juvenile, a star three-year-old. And it'll be fascinating to see what they do with her next and, and where they go next. In terms of Alpha Centauri, she was going for her fifth consecutive Group 1 win and obviously something was amiss, Kevin, and then the news breaks the next day that that's it. She's um, she's had to be retired. It's a, a chipped joint in her fetlock. It's a real shame because not only had she demonstrated so much class and particularly that performance at Royal Ascot, but connections were set to keep her in training and it was the 
the hope of what she would do next year. And I think it gives you a greater appreciation of just to enjoy these horses in the moment because when they're putting up performances like this, maybe we shouldn't be knocking Winks so much. Maybe we should be getting on the Winks bandwagon because when there are stars like this performing so well, you never know when their career is going to come to an end. It's a very fair point, you know, because we can... You know, and we we had the similar arguments over the years, even with some of national national hunt horses that uh, observers and I suppose it applies to Winks. You know, can get a bit critical about them. You know, coming out and you know beating what's perceived as being lesser opposition and doing so, you know, at very short prices. But the very fact that they're able that they're sound enough and they have the constitution to come back year after year is something something to be treasured as well. Because, like you say, you know, we're very much looking forward to seeing Alfred Centauri for the rest of this year. And on to next year. Uh, now she's gone from the race courses, and much the same with Saxon Warrior. Um, they're they're delicate old beasts at the end of the day, and um, that was it. Was just unfortunate that it ended like this. Um, she didn't maybe quite look herself up until like, and I know we we can never know for certain, but it's certainly when you watch the replay and watch it closely, you can. There's certainly a fair chance that we can see exactly when the injury happened. Yeah. Yeah, she she took a false step just as she was challenging, and um and hung to her left after that, um you know so it, it is what it is. I I felt a little bit sorry if 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 that's the right word, not just obviously for Alpha Centauri and her connections, but for Lawrence as well because she's a filly that struggled to get, um her, her just deserves for for what she's done, um you know she won the Phillies Mile last year. Much of the talk afterwards was how how unlucky September was. You know, she's gone to France and won two group ones narrowly this year. But I think and perhaps the, the parochialism in a lot of us, you know, leads to when these horses go to France and win a group one. You know, if it's not the arc or one of the really high profile races, we can perhaps underrate those performances. And uh, she's come here and, and won a, a, a good renewal of the matron, fair and square from the front, really tough. And, um, and, you know, much of the talk afterwards will inevit- inevitably be about Alpha Centauri. I look, I I'm, I'm hope and I expect that, that Lawrence will, will get um, her time in the spotlight, um, maybe in her next start, hopefully, uh, perhaps in the Sun Chariot at Newmarket, maybe. Um, cause, and I'll tell you what, and I know, and Jane will probably, I hope, will agree with me here, that sometimes, you know, when you hear people on television and even members of the public talking about good horses, um, you know, top class horses that almost automatically say, Oh, isn't he or she gorgeous? You know, what a good looking horse. Um, and more so, you know, if you put the same horse in, in a field and not the 65ers, they, the same people wouldn't pick them out, you know. But Lawrence <laughs> is, is genuinely, you know, she's dropped dead uh, gorgeous. Yeah, she's to a be really, fair. really good looking filly. <laughs> um, to be fair to her, she'd re- you don't, you don't need, you wouldn't need to have. An idea, a real idea of what you were looking at to see the, the physical beauty in her now. She's very, very good looking. And um, I, I can only imagine that John Dance has, I'm sure, already turned down absolute fortunes for her. Mm. And if he ever if he ever decides to put her through the sales ring at a, at a mayor sale, um, ooh, by the uni, you know, <laughs> a good outcross for, for you know who. I'd imagine that he could he could ask whatever he wanted. Well, we saw and different probably, league. He probably get it. We saw a different league run at the Curra, having cost one point five million, and she's done nothing this season. Just imagine if she could reach that money. 
how much Lawrence would get. It would be very, very interesting. Um, yeah, you, you you might be up around Marsha territory, perhaps. But, yeah. yeah, I know you, you need you need uh, a lot of factors to combine to lead to a sale like Marsh's, but uh, Lawrence would have would tick a fair few boxes now. John was talking about home soil that winning at Leopardstown was very special and winning in Ireland was very special. It's right up there with the performances in France, but that they do, they are keen to win one on home soil. So it does look as though it'll be the sun chariot for her next. Um, do you think she'll stay in training as a four-year-old? Oh, tough one. Tough one. Um, God, you, you know, to be fair to John, he does seem like a, he does seem very game. You know, he's put a lot of money into the game. We got very excited after Saturday, obviously. Oh, it was um, great to see. Enjoy, it, oh, look, he, he enjoys his racing. You know, and that's what it's all about. And uh, you'd like to, you'd like to think there's a chance she'd come back. Yeah. I don't think he. I don't think he'd have an inclination to, to rush one off to, to the farm. But we'll wait and see. Uh, I'd love to see her back. She's a. She's she tries really hard. Yeah. She tries really hard, and you know, ultimately, when you're dealing at, at the very highest level. You know, you you gotta love watching that, and um, you know it's really stood to her this year. She she's won by narrow margins every time she's won in her life. Pretty much, she's won by a narrow margin, and um, she's very very tough. Well, it was a fantastic performance. Great celebrations afterwards, and a great interview with Gary O'Brien on ATR as well. Um, it's a terrible shame about Alpha Centauri. She was an absolute superstar, and it's a pity that we won't see her on the race course again. But we can look forward to her progeny in years to come um and of course we haven't just lost saxon warrior to the breeding sheds we've also lost order of st george as declan ricks was tweeting today so uh, three big superstars all gone like that but we look forward to seeing what they can produce in terms of the stud um clemmy that was much more like it kevin briefly on her um yeah look a little bit more like it now you know she's not i, I don't think she's the filly she was um you know we you could continue to make excuses, perhaps, if you're that inclined, um, you know, perhaps focusing on the fact that, uh, you know, she obviously had setbacks at the beginning of the season and, you know, the, the well-publicized issues in Bally Doyle with the bog. Um, you could perhaps, you know, maintain hope that she could come back and win a group one. Maybe she could. But for me, I'd still, I'd still be sceptical now that she could get back to, to group one winning form. All right. Live on At The Races with the St. Ledger Stakes at 3.35 on Saturday. It was the first of a St. Ledger double for Aidan O'Brien with Q Gardens getting the job done and getting it done well. Each way scumbags in clover with Southern France getting up for third and doing so quite well. Uh, I really like this performance, Kevin. I thought he, he did it really, really impressively. And when interviewed back at Leopardstown later on that evening, Ryan Moore was saying he could be a middle distance force next season. Do you see him as a cup horse or a middle distance type? Um, I think, look, he clearly stays. And he's always looked like a horse that stays well. But um, it, might be worth it. it might be worth a shot at, you know, top mile and a half races. Because... You know, while he just seems to be improving away the whole time, he's getting better. Mm. He's progressing with his racing. You know, it is very easy to throw stones at the Grand Prix de Paris form because it just wasn't a very good race. But he's brought his form forward in his two starts since. And, and this was good. Like, he, it was straightforward. He, the race wrapped up quite a way out. Um, Latidar ran a, a funny type of race and maybe a race that was just reflective. You know, some will interpret it that she's just slow, but, you know, I think she's just a bit raw. 
and it, it was a big step up in class for her. And I, I just think that might have caught her out a bit. I wouldn't like to to write her off as slow just yet. Um, I think I definitely give her another chance. I think this run will, will bring her on, and that she stuck to her guns so well despite being, you know, out of her comfort zone from quite a way out. You know, I'd give her plenty of credit for that. And Southern France had absolutely every chance and ran a fine race, um, just not as good as the front two. Yeah. Uh, Capri and Leading Light won this race and then went on to the arc. It's an open-looking year, with the exception of Enable, who's probably going to blitz them all, assuming that she stays intact. Would you go there, Kevin? Um, sure, what else would you be doing, I suppose? Scorpion took um, it know, as well. Unless you want to, you know, wait for... for you know, the two-miler at Ascot, which I suspect they wouldn't do. Uh, why not? Have a go. Yeah. Have a go. What's the worst that could happen? Yeah, give him a go. You're coming back next year as a four-year-old anyway, assuming he stays intact, so why not? Uh, if you're not in, you can't win. Latidar, I would agree with Kevin. It was just inexperience for her, and um, I'm sure she's a horse who can who can do well. She's going to go for the British champion fillies and mares race at ascot and she'll be very very interesting there but all about q gardens on the day jane and really impressive yeah he's been very progressive himself all year i don't think at the start of the year anybody really he wasn't on the top radars of a lot of people um but i think when he won the queen's vase at ascot by four lengths people started to 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 um to take a bit of notice of him, you know, they thought enough of him to line him up in a derby at Epsom, and I know he didn't exactly set the world on fire there, but they still thought enough of him to put him there. Mm. Uh, and he was be, good in the Grand Prix. To be fair, Michael Sorry. Tabor had been interviewed by Gary O'Brien, and he was he was at pains to point out that Q Gardens was definitely the second best horse they had in the race because it was all about Saxon Warrior, but they were expecting yeah. an awful lot more from him. So he clearly had been, while things hadn't gone smoothly for him, he clearly had been showing them the right signs. For sure. And I think when they went to Lingfield and he got beaten by night to behold, I think a lot of people were genuinely disappointed. They thought they expected a lot more. But after Epsom, he really got his act together. He won at Ascot and then he went on and, and won the Grand Prix de Paris. Um, look, I thought he was unlucky in the Voltager. I thought he was just a bit too far back. And he came through um, with what looked like a lovely prep run for, for the ledger. Um, it was never really in doubt in Doncaster. I thought Ryan gave him a lovely nursing ride, a ride that really suits Ryan, actually. The horse just started to roll and get into top gear slowly. Um, and he was just well on top of the line. Lati Dar, yes, I do agree with Kevin because, you know, she she looked like she was the first off the bridle going to be well beaten and it wasn't stamina that was her issue at all she just lacked a tactical pace when everybody else quickened but as soon as she started getting through the gears she stayed on very well past decent horses I think it's pretty pretty straightforward that the Phillies and Mares race on Champions Day at Ascot is at her mercy I don't see why John Gosling would run enable and Cracksman and Lati Darren and Ark. I think they'll, he'll want to keep this filly back and go to Ascot. I was really tempted to do the Luigi voice, but I won't. You can just see Frankie <laughs> saying Stradivarius straight to Ascot, Lati Dar straight to the Phillies and Mares on Champions Day, uh, Enable, that's it. Cracksman, Champion Stakes. Don't even bring him to the Ark. Don't even consider <laughs> it, boss. 
What's the point? What's the point? Um, DXP, yeah, Kevin. Crack, 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 cracksman isn't mature enough for the arc, surely. Oh, exactly, Kevin. He's not. He's the not. whole reason they kept him in training is for a crack at the arc. They're yeah. going to Paris. Uh, it's uh, not. Jay, I guarantee not, you. Not, I don't. I don't think he's quite mature he's enough. Not yet. mature enough yet. And, and Are I, you saving him for the the Fred Winter or something? Is it? They're, they're, well, he wouldn't be qualified now, Jane. Come oh, on. He wouldn't know. Come on now, Jane. Jeez. I mean, look. I know, Carl, Carl I know you're. I know you're. Keen to do the gelding operation again, but let's not get too too quick. No, actually, I wouldn't geld him because I think there's a serious shortage of like Alderbrook Monksfield types at stud. <laughs> Champion hurdle, lads. He's going straight. Well, they they were horses and they were good sires. Yeah. So, uh, so nickname somewhere nickname. somewhere somewhere in the world that the Appleheimers just went. Whoa! I I I said how die. How do you, you know what I've done with this horse? How do you? Um, that's my best Anthony Oppenheimer. Um, DXB, finish. Kevin Blake, he's finish. Um, he's fine. He's fine. He's finish. He's just fine. He's just fine. He's not fine. He's not even that. What's your lower than fine? Um, okay. Okay. I would. I wouldn't even say he's okay. Now, though, in the Hawcroft Industrial supplies champagne steaks. We saw a breathtaking display. Now, this horse is already in every notebook, and I'm sure plenty have been backing him for the Derby. Oh, Some are backing him for the two thousand guineas. But the most important thing is that now wearing the Godolphin blue having been sold for huge amounts of money and having been quoted with the trainer saying, I, I cannot stop watching. <laughs> I can't stop watching him, his win at Goodwood. Oh my God. It's amazing. I don't need Amazon. I don't need Netflix. All I want to do is watch Dark Vision win over and over. Absolutely. Oh, I've never seen anything like it. How much do you want to buy him for? Fantastic. <laughs> And there he goes and does it. Absolutely bolts. Oh, sorry. Wait, 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 wait. Too darn hot one. And Dark Vision was second, third, fourth, fifth. Sixth of six. Soon outpaced and behind. Oh, Have you got that receipt, Chic Man? <laughs> Have you got that receipt, Chic? Uh, too darn hot, Kevin. First of all, absolutely spectacular. Um, Jesus. That, that accent evolved mid-impression. <laughs> it became a bit of an Alan Brazil, didn't it? It was a bit. It was Ed Chamberlain doing Alan Brazil. That's what it was like. It was, I don't know if you know this story, Jane, but Alan Brazil was doing an interview. This is terrible. And it was about a, um, a special had been produced for TV in memory of Bob Monkhouse. And they had a man on talking about the life of the great comedian and the great presenter and all he'd done. And Alan said to the guy, you know, that's amazing. That's amazing. And tell me, how is he? What? What? How's his health now? You know, how's he getting on? Well, he's dead. What? Well, that's the whole point. There's a tribute show about him. Well, that's not what I've heard. No, no, no. I've heard a different story. (laughs) Oh, my God. So Ed asked him one day, was that your worst moment in broadcasting? He said, oh, no. Oh, no. Far worse than that. 
which we'll save for another podcast. Uh, too it darn says hot. a lot about the man. Oh, <laughs> and you can tune in to him on TalkSport weekday mornings. Uh, too Darn Hot uh, was Too Darn Hot once again. It was good form here as well with Phoenix of Spain, and he's done it well. Um, it was. Some might have been hoping for more from him, but it was a funny race. You know, they went they went quite quick, I think. And it just, he probably just had to quicken up twice. And he's a horse that's still learning. You know, we've talked about this. Frankie is, has been at pains to try and educate him as best he can thus far. And I'd say he'll learn a lot from this. You know, he might not have been as impressive as, as many would have hoped. But I, I think he'll come forward from this quite a bit. Um, I liked it. I liked it just with it, just not not just in isolation now, but just with a view to the future. I think he'll he'll benefit a lot from it, and he, he's very much on track to being a, a proper horse in my book. Chewhurst, the Lagadere, or the Racing Post Trophy? Who tough, isn't it? I, I, I just the, the the sportsman in me would love to see him go for the Chewhurst because that's shaping up to be an absolute cracker. Oh. But um, I suspect they might, uh, they might, they might go elsewhere. But we'll see. Time will tell. All right. What did you make of the performance, Jane? I was very impressed. I thought in Sandown he looked like he was going to not be terribly impressive, and then at the line you're kind of pricking your ears, thinking, "Jesus, he stretched." You know, he, he as Kevin alluded to, Frankie kind of nurses him and and tries to teach him as much as he can and he's only contesting these small fields so that's a limited uh, amount he can do um but still at the line I thought he was well in command and going away even further so I think uh, he'll stay much further in time obviously the pedigree speaks for itself and Darimi stayed a mile and a half so I don't think the racing post trophy will be an issue but whether they need to go there as a two-year-old I don't think so. Um, he he's probably as good as as we've seen. I, I I'm not sure if if um, the filly will meet him. Pretty Pollyanna. She probably boasts the best form, juvenile form. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to take me on on that now, probably in a minute. No, no, but I wouldn't actually. This this horse is is only beaten what's put in front of him, and until something will stretch him, I don't think we'll see how good he is. Because I like how he kind of comes off the bridle early. Frankie gets down low and he stretches and all of a sudden at the line, he's five lengths clear. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So um, it was a good performance. The champagne stakes is a champagne stakes. And I'd say you were, when you were uh, started talking about this race and you said Godolphin had bought such and sort of horse, I didn't think, I, I didn't think of dark vision. I was like, geez, Godolphin are after buying two darn hot. Oh my God, I'm after missing out on a big story here. Um, but I'd say Sheikh Mohammed will forget about dark vision and ask uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber, uh, I know you don't need money, but how much do you want for the horse? <laughs> well, I think, I think to be fair, he's got a decent one that we'll talk about from uh, the current Sunday uh, that will be very, very interesting going forward. Um, I should just say that there's a horse in this race called Bye Bye Hong Kong, which is where Dark Vision will be heading, I should imagine. Uh, to be fair, Mark Johnston was quoted afterwards. Dark Vision will probably win a group one in Maidan over the winter. Possibly, possibly. But Mark Johnston was quoted as saying, Dark Vision's performance was diabolical. So, to be fair, uh, he, had a, he had a right go at the horse. He'll be, he'll be, 
he'll be bringing him into the changing room and giving him a right talking to. An hour and 25 minutes after that race, we saw Kevin Prendergast in the winner's enclosure with Mad Moom for Chris Hayes. I don't know how strong the race was, Kevin, but he did it very, very, very well. He did, and this was great. This was a great result. Um, there's an awful lot of goodwill in Irish racing for, for Kevin Prendergast. You know, so many people in Irish racing would have worked for him along the way or had yeah. dealings with him. And, he, you know, he's, he's a hard man, but there's an awful lot of fondness around there for him. And, um, you know, I think Chris probably holds him in as high regard as anyone because it's not the first time we've seen Chris quite emotional after riding a big winner for, for Kevin. And, you know, I think, you know, calling a spade a spade, you know, I think we thought that after all, Tad, that that might have been Kevin's last hurrah at the highest level. And like this season, you know, going into this race, I think he might have only had kind of seven or eight winners this year. Um, but then this fella appears and did what he did on his debut. And you're hoping he could be he could be one for him. And he's kind of confirmed it here. Um, this was a nice performance. It wasn't um, it, it wasn't the strongest group two, I think it's fair to say. But the manner in which he quickened um, sets him up as being a real nice horse, a proper horse now that could be um, targeted at a, at a guineas. You know, Kevin traditionally um, wouldn't necessarily put as much emphasis on the new market, uh, 2000 guineas, as as others. You know, he, this horse could well run in the trial and then go up the Irish 2000 guineas perhaps, but that's still a long way away. But I'm sure he'll keep everyone involved uh, very warm for the winter. I'm assuming he doesn't run again, which, would, which wouldn't surprise me um, because this, this was a nice performance and I have lots to like about it. Jane, Kevin was there in a social capacity. You were there in a professional capacity for RTE. How taken were you with Mad Moon? Oh, I, I was I was hoping for something brilliant and I think we got it. Uh, like for a horse that had only one start before this had been pretty an, an easy enough winner of his maiden, you'd be expecting him to be a little bit green, to have a look, to take, uh, just to do a few things wrong as inexperienced horses do. I don't think he did a single thing wrong. He was so professional. He he travelled like the winner everywhere. If you had taken short, short odds about him, you were happy everywhere. And when he hit the front, I just loved the way he just went in a straight line, kept it simple and extended all the way. He was value for every bit of what he won by. And I think, like Kevin said, he'll be put away and minded with, with an eye to the classics next year. And he, cosmetically, is also very good looking. And I just had a very good vantage point in Leopardstown to see the entire track and and Chris took nearly to the entrance of the back straight to pull him up and bring him back around there's obviously a hardy streak in this horse but it's probably going to stand to him because he's obviously tough as teak and I hope everybody loves Kevin Prendergast I remember when I used to ride for Kevin I I wouldn't tell dad because um, dad actually uh, spent a little bit of his tenure with him when he was a teenager um, I would drop hints to dad I said I'm riding for the uh, the the best um, the trainer the best trainer in the country to produce the best most healthy looking horses and dad would know then straight away that it was for Kevin Prendergast because if you ever see Kevin's horses you see their face your face in their coat they're absolutely pristine and uh, I think he has a proper horse yeah very very exciting he doesn't have a great record I don't know why I don't know what it is. But he doesn't have a good record with bringing horses over to the UK. You mentioned Autad, Kevin, and, and he was a high-profile failure there. And yet he does have a great record in Irish Group 1s. 
Um, so I would imagine it will be the Curra and then Irish 2000 guineas that he'd be campaigned for next season. I suspect so. I suspect so. And hey, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, listen, the Euro's worth a fair bit these days. Uh, 3.50, Lamini. <laughs> Brilliant ride from Oshin Murphy. Uh, a 1-2 for Willie Mullins. Uh, with Law Girl in behind. Rich Ritchie is starting to dominate the flat game. Sharjah was very disappointing. Uh, could Lamini head over to the UK for one of the big handicaps, Kevin? Um, well, I'd say they'll probably be thinking about stakes races after this. You know, she's one off 98 here. She'll be up in the, the mid 100s. And, um, you know, while she would, you know, she, this is Zara, which could be an option. You yeah, know, she's, she's entered it. for it. But um, I, I, don't know if you want to go that far with her myself. I think she's she's a small bit pacier than that, maybe. It's a five hundred thousand pound race, though, Kev. Oh, it's vulgar prize money. Yeah, yeah, oh, unbelievable prize money, and they might well be tempted by, by that. But I, I wouldn't be shocked if they kept her a little bit shorter and went to the stakes company, maybe. Okay, they do have Stratham as well, who's currently favourite for that race. Uh, and, and and you know, immediately after this race, that what half the country would have been asking themselves, how did she get beat at Galway, lads? Oh, how did she get beat Galway, twice? That's Galway, lads. That's Galway. And you can have a stone in the hand, a stone, two stone up your sleeve, and it doesn't work out at Galway. And I can tell you right now that on attheraces.com, next August, July, August, Kevin Blake will be producing yet another article about the greatest certainties of all time to be beaten at Galway. Cesar, which winner? Lamini, who got beaten not once, but twice in the same week. Um, there's your work done for you, Kev. You can add her into the Easy mix. peasy. Uh, Jane Rostropovich <laughs> got back to winning ways, dropping in class to Group 3 company in the Mike DeCock will train this horse in the future race for Aidan O'Brien <laughs> and, and Donica. Uh, Emmett finishing second on Giuseppe Garibaldi. That, of course, is assuming that the uh, the whole quarantine issue can be fixed. Um, it was nice to see him get back to winning ways and particularly nice for our colleague Declan Ricks's bank balance because he made him his banker of the weekend. Fair play to Declan. I thought he was... Uh... <laughs> If 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 everything goes straightforward in racing, if the horse with the best form wins, it'd be a very simple job. And uh, he was the best form in the race by far. I thought he was very idle in front, and he was he only won by half a length from Giuseppe. But I thought he was value for more than that, uh, Donica. I think the things maybe didn't go to plan. Kevin will probably know a bit more, but Master of Reality was very free in the hands of Billy Lee, and ended up taking up the running. And um, I think the a couple of riders' tactics were having to be uh, adjusted after that um Donica committed early and it was a long way home if you had taken short odds but I don't think he was ever going to be passed it was a good performance from a horse that's probably just below group one class uh you know we we saw his run to Latrobe everybody knows about that um with a pedigree like that I'd actually be surprised if they sold him to um to Mike Cock but who am I to say um I just think he's a he's a is he a Group Two winning brother to Zafni by Frankel? Yes, I don't know if he's, spot on. That's absolutely if he's worth spot on. If Mike DeCock has the money to buy him. Well, it's not so much Mike DeCock; <laughs> it's the owners involved in the art. I just wonder if he's a horse that could turn into a, a globe-trotting horse next year, Kev. He's very—he's a good uh, disposition, Kevin, isn't he? If he—if he does want to travel, he's certainly got the, tra- the temperament and everything to do it. Yeah, I think so, and the—the the ability is there. I think you know he's not. While he has the credentials to, to do a second job, you know, I don't know if his race record is sufficient at the minute to do it uh, for Coolmore. So, you know, he could go on and build that profile 
perhaps in international group ones. I think he'd be more than capable of, of competing in those races. And uh, see where he ends up. You know, he'd definitely have a place to stud somewhere. Um, if not in Federty, had to be um, any number of studs. I would love to have him, I'm sure. So uh, we'll, we'll follow the Rastropovich uh, story with interest now. But I, for me, I, I couldn't see him now getting up to the highest level myself. Yeah. You know, in 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 this in this part of the world. No, I I can see him staying in training, but being a, a globe trotter for them. Uh, you could see him. You could see him winning a grade one in America. You Definitely. know, like there, there, there are horses running in Europe that have won grade ones in America that you think are group three class. So yeah. uh, mm. if he's placed correctly and like you say, if he's kept in training next year, they'll have plenty of options because I'd imagine some of their older brigade will uh, will retire this year. So um, they they might be needing a little horse like him next year. Yeah, no, he, I can. Yeah, I can see my him. my my view on him is that he, he loves fast ground as well. You know, which makes him ideal for all those jobs. I see no reason why he couldn't be an Arlington Million horse next season and kept in training. Uh, a one-two for Aidan O'Brien with I Can Fly in Kenya. I Can Fly has been a long-term project for us and um, she did get the job done for us at the weekend, Kev. Yeah, look, this was impressive. You know, she has a big turn of foot. It hasn't always gone right for her this season, to be fair. It's probably gone wrong more than it's gone right. But she's getting there now and she's starting to do what we kind of always hoped she would. And um, I wouldn't... It wouldn't be a million to one now that she she could win her group one before all is said and done. Um, she's a big filly, you know. Physically, she it's not it's it's not a surprise that she's improving as the season goes on. Mm. You know, one I wonder would they give her her chance in the Sun Chariot against Lawrence, and uh, and she she might be the perfect foil for Lawrence in that she's a turn of foot filly, whereas Lawrence is a grinder and a battler. And um, I think I can fly. Could potentially, you know, have the attributes to to go and do her. Maybe I I think she's ca- I think she's capable of getting there. Yeah, I agree. you know, Lawrence Lawrence is a, is what what is she a four time Group One winner? You know, she would clearly go there as the one to beat. But um, I have I a question. Fly. I have a question. Okay. If Lawrence is the best miling filly, who's the best miling colt going to line up in the QE two? Oh God. Might be the way to go. There, yeah, Ooh, that would possibly. be interesting. Jane, I don't. I, I'd on. be avoiding. I'd be avoiding Lawrence if I could with her because I don't think she'd beat Lawrence. But I don't think if if Lawrence goes for the Phillies race, this filly should go for the QE two. Mm, getting the getting the the sex allowance. Yeah, why not? Well, actually, Jane, yeah, ring it's, Aiden it's O'Brien probably, and it, offer your services right. as a race planner before Kevin does. Well, it's uh, Reculitas. Assu- well, look, we're, we're assuming Roaring, Roaring Lion could go there. and you, you wouldn't want to take him on. Yeah, but hang on. It was the champion stakes that was mentioned by, by his owner when interviewed by Gary. So I, I wouldn't be 100% certain now that, that they would be prepared to drop back to a mile. Um, and it's another group. And Reculitas is fine. He beat wind chimes last time. And, you know, I'd say the lads here have a fair uh, idea how good or bad wind chimes is, yeah. you know? I, I Expert eyes, yeah. good colt as well. But um, oh, God, I, I think Lawrence would beat all them. Yeah. I think Lawrence would beat all them. Yeah, I wonder would, would Lawrence go for the QE2 instead? I wonder will they look at things and go, actually, that's quite winnable now. Possibly. She's not in it. She'd have to be supplemented. Yeah, they've got a few quid knocking around now. But um, <laughs> Sun, Sun Chariot definitely, uh, it looks as though. But it's a really good point you make, Jane, because with the high profile retirements like if enable picks up a stone bruise god we're in big trouble we're in big big trouble 
And and the QE2 is in serious trouble because there isn't anything there that that really st- stands out. And I think Recoletus is two to one favourite for that race. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, and and Bally Doyle don't really have anything for it at the minute. No. No. Yeah, so I'd say I'd say one of those fillies could end up there. And given the fact that she was last at halfway and made up all that ground, you have to think that there is eventually a case, Kevin, that she will that she will fulfill that potential. Uh, let's she, move. She, she's a turner. She's a turner for Philly. Yeah. I, I think that we haven't seen the very best of her just yet. Yeah, I wouldn't be scoffing at that idea at all. Right, let's move on to Sunday at the Curra. The Comer Group International Irish St. Ledger. Kevin Blake is still cleaning up his shoes. Peas and carrots everywhere. Latrobe done by flag of honour. Uh, the St. Ledger double for Aidan O'Brien. This horse has improved. As the season has gone on, he's improved exponentially. He is as tough as they come, and he's a proper cup horse in the making for next year, but a deserved Group 1 for Flag of Honour. Um, yeah, look, the, I don't think we look back on this uh, as a vintage Irish St. Ledger, but Flag of Honour came in there as a proven stayer, very much on an upward curve, and got the run of the race out in front, quickened up well, lovely, honest-looking horse, and galloped away and beat the throw fair and square. Zero excuses for Latrobe, and the big concern about him was whether he would settle early on. Um, he was a real Christian in the prelims, and he settled as well as could have been hoped for. Yeah. And given the steady pace, had absolutely every chance. Um, wanted to wanted to edge into his right, um, but just wasn't good enough. Um, as simple as that on the day. Um, no complaints, no excuses. Um, all credit to to Flag of Honor. Very much going the right way. And you, you just have to love his way of going. He looks a real honest cold. To be fair to Latrobe, and I'm not just saying this from a biased perspective uh, for Joseph or yourself, he has run an absolute stormer. Um, what is the plan with him, Kevin? What what do you want to do with him next? Ah, look, he's, he's guaranteed a run in the Melbourne Cup, and I, I'd imagine... Um, that would be the the goal going forward. He'll be have to go into quarantine soon, and um, I, I suspect that'll be the goal. It'll be a tough ask for him, obviously. Um, but you know, the Melbourne Cup is just becoming more and more like a like a wait for age race. You know, the, if you look at the entries, you know the standard has even jumped up from from last year to this year yeah. in terms of the the rating that re, that will be required to get a run. Um, so yeah, we'll wait and see. You know, he proved his stamina for a mile six. Um, here with, with an ease in the ground at the Curra, you know. So if you think, you know, what is a sharper two miles generally run on, on a quick surface in terms of stamina, he should be okay. And look, as we've talked about before, the Melbourne Cup is the the flat equivalent of the Grand National, and so much of it comes down to just getting a clean run, to saving ground, getting a clean run. Everything went right for Rekindling last year you know it would be greedy to expect everything to go right for him but getting into the field is half the battle and um you know we'll see what happens after that back-to-back melbourne cup wins for joseph o'brien as latrobe goes down under and gets the job done what a story that would be Uh, jane are you aware of the producer d kevin blake watching the melbourne cup story (laughs) i'm not uh do i want to be well let me let me <laughs> inform you and and enlighten you. So they get up to watch the race um and being the fantastic partner that she is, she's got to go to work later on that day, but up she gets to support her man watching the horse that they've planned so hard to get to Melbourne run. 
And Kevin starts to absolutely freak out when Rekindling comes with that run, that surging run. And he's losing the plot and he's cheering and he's celebrating. He'd be heard all over Ireland and Golden. And he's freaking out with celebration as Rekindling gets up. And Dee just looks at him and says, I hope. I'll go back to it. <laughs> she said, I hope someday I can make you as happy as Rekindling. <laughs> <laughs> that, that girl is a saint I don't know she how she is. puts up with him producer D is a saint uh, doesn't know how lucky she is that oh, uh, oh no 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 dearie me she she she, um, she was at the Cura there on uh, Sunday with her pen and paper taking uh, bullet point crit- critiques of the track um, I, I wonder, did she give it to you, Kevin, or do you have it at handy, you know? Oh, full report, yeah, full report. Yeah. <laughs> See, when I was with her last year, we just drank copious amounts of alcohol for the day. So I would have distracted her from such work. Um, but anyway, I'll, I'll make sure that I'm there next year to uh, to distract her. Uh, right, Quarto came over for Charlie Appleby. It was a great weekend for him. We'll expand on that more a little bit later on. And William Buick, Kevin, you were very, very fearful of this horse for Anthony Van Dyke, and you were right to be. Uh, he's got the job done very, very well. I suspect that these are two high-class horses, but Quarto looks to be a star in the making, and now he's a Group 1 winner. Yeah, two Ryko two-year-olds. And look, the fear was Quarto just might be a little bit quick for Anthony Van Dyke in these circumstances, and I, I think that's ultimately what panned out. Um, he's got a touch of class, Quarto. Very good horse. Um, I would love it if they went to the Jewhurst with him and took on the likes of uh, potentially, you know, two darn hot and, um, oh, what's his name? The other good Kingman horse of Sir Michael Stouts. Um, his name eludes me now as well. He won the other day. It'll, yeah. it, it'll come to me in a matter of seconds because I, I only wrote it down today. He is called... Pause, wait, computer. He is called um, Sangari- Sang- Sangarius. Sangarius. Yeah, he looked. A, he looked a bit of a star in the making last time. I thought um, if they if they could end up clashing, and maybe ten sovereigns, probably not ten sovereigns, but wouldn't it be fun if they drew him in the mix too? Um, but that, that would be. A, a, Why not? By the way, it's, I, I, it's, it's I, not like I, I, it's not like Aiden's got anything else to go for the. I mean, he could run. Well, no, I, Dyke, I, but... I just. I just suspect they'll go for the middle park with, with ten sovereigns, but um, we can but dream. And um, the quarter was was just very good here. And Anthony Van Dyke, I don't think defeat here um, precludes the possibility of him being a, a potential champion himself. Um, he just wants to go further and just wants better ground. Um, I thought he he only gained rather than lost in defeat here. And um, two real nice horses. And it would be a really fun rematch um, in the 2000 Guineas next year. Um, if Anthony Van Dyke went down that route, he could well go down the Derby Trail route. But I, I suspect they, they'll meet again and it could well be at, uh, at Newmarket. Um, I almost said in May, I think the 2000 Guineas might be in April next year. I could be totally wrong, but what? I, just, that, that, that's in my head. What? I think it is. Yeah, I think it's a very early 2000 Guineas oh, next year. Dear I'll, conf- I'll confirm that as you speak to Jay and dude, work amongst yourselves. I'll, I'll find out. Uh, how good do you think Quarto could be, Jay? Uh, well, I thought it's it was just a very good horse race between two very good horses. Um, he was the winner everywhere. Anthony Van Dyke came off the bridle early and Quarto travelled like a dream. I think... It was a very good performance. We definitely didn't see the best of him. I didn't think he had to give his maximum to win. 
Um, there's not much more you can say. I don't think he holds many entries towards the end of the year, only the Dewhurst entry. So that's obviously the likelihood where he'll go. Just looking at him at the Curra, actually, he, he's quite a, a well-built two-year-old already. He's the furnished article, uh, whereas Anthony Van Dyke is quite raw and looks like a three-year-old. So mm. um, it's interesting to see what way they'll shape up next year. But I just love the way the two of them ran to the line. I know there was a little stewards inquiry, but that was only two-year-olds being two-year-olds. There was no foul play. And um, the two of them head down, pull four lengths clear the, the remainder. So it was a very good performance. And it was nice to see... Um, the two big titans go head-to-head at Irish headquarters. You know, we're used to seeing the Godolphin Colours um, take on Coolmore in, in Newmarket in their own backyard. But yeah. they came over and, and they took us on and uh, they came out on top. And that's good to see. It's a healthy thing for our sport, you know. Very much so. Very, very much so. And, and Charlie Appleby's been having a fantastic season. Obviously, the Derby winning connections as well with William Buick and Godolphin uh, earlier in the season too. Um, he looks a proper Guineas prospect to my mind. Is Anthony Van Dyke more of a middle distance horse in your mind, Jane? I wouldn't say so. He's actually, um, his mother was quick in New Zealand and she bred a, a five furlong group one winner in New Zealand as well. So the only reason we're thinking he'll get further is because he's by Galileo. But as we've seen with Churchill, Glen Eagles and a few more, that not, that's not necessarily the case. Um, I'd like to see him go down the Guineas route and just feel our way after that. Okay. Um <laughs> And to be fair, what we've also seen in more recent years is, you know, Aidan O'Brien has shown a real willingness to run even a potential derby horse to start them in the Guineas. Yeah, you know, it's, become, it's becoming more. It's becoming more of a thing. Mm-hmm. Well, John um, Gosden alluded to this year that the Guineas is the best trial for the derby. You know. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, that was so, a saying for years, and it kind of got pushed to one side. But it it was a real old saying, and it's very much come back in vogue. If you have a yeah. champion, they'll do both. If yeah. you don't have a champion, they'll do one. Yeah. And and I was talking absolute rubbish. The Guineas is, I believe, the 4th or 5th of May next year. I think it might be the following year. I was thinking it couldn't be before Punchestown. That's top racing pundit Kevin Blake there, and you can read his article on athereces.com. Keep an eye out for him on ITV as well. He may very I, I, well sir, be I'm there in Guineas so, Day. You I clown. Am someone who is not an idiot said it to me that it will it will fall in April very soon. Well, so let, might, let might me tell you something. That was, that was probably like me alluding to Havana Gray as definitely being a silly on RTE television on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't even in doubt. I was absolutely no, certain Jane, no. that, she was, that it was a filly. And um, Robert Hall very kindly and respectfully corrected me and I just had to eat humble pie. Well, to be fair, yes, yeah, I, I, I've, start, I've taken drastic measures to prevent this happening. It's something I always would, would be very careful of, but I, I've taken a, taken it to new heights now. I now have a yellow highlighter, and I highlight the fillies on my race cards in front of me. I so can I confirm just this is glance. true. Yeah, so I, I just so I just have to glance to know <laughs> rather than look for the F or the M uh, underneath their name. Highlighter pen, it's your friend. Uh, it's my friend for, for those of you who aren't familiar with uh, Robert Hall he is an absolute gentleman and uh, I'm sure he handled things with aplomb were you given humble pie or did you just have to metaphorically eat it because I've, I've tasted humble pie regularly and it tastes vile no I voluntarily just took it because it was the quickest way to alleviate the situation yeah. I didn't want it to, to become something more than it was that's my philosophy just, just own it um, can Christmas win in group company in your view Jane 
I think Christmas is very good. Yes. I thought he was yes. overused in the futurity and still ran a cracker and was only beating a length at the line. You know, the Anthony Van Dyke wasn't pulling away from him in the futurity, which is like a lot of people were thinking that that was a massive performance. Like the Christmas was being used a bit that day, I thought, and the same here the last day and still finished third. Land Force is a Richmond winner. I know he probably doesn't want seven furlongs. He'll probably go back to six in the future. But he couldn't get by him. And there was a few more like Mohawk who were ridden more conservatively, had every right to pass him and didn't. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting if they they, um, ride him with a bit more restraint. And not even that. We've seen down through the years the likes of Lancaster Bomber being used in a similar role, being very, very good horses in their own right. It's just how their mind takes it from two to three. It's going to be very important that he stays, number one, he stays sound, and number two, that he doesn't get too free. Um, but he's obviously got an awful lot of ability in his own right. Yeah, I'm going to go down to the shop now and buy a pair of Santi hats for the two of you. You can start off the Christmas fan club. Oh, that's already <laughs> been started. Jane's now a member, an honorary member. But one of our listeners, Ali, started the Christmas fan club and made me honorary chairman. Thank you very much, Ali. So uh, we'll, we'll put you on the board as well, Jane. And uh, let's get ready for the Racing Post trophy. He'll cause an upset. And, 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 uh, and just for clarity, listeners, Ali is a female, not a male. Thanks for clearing that one up there, Kevin. Factual, uh, factual fact. Skitter scatter. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> delighted for Patrick Prendergast that this horse managed to live up to expectations. She ended, off being, ended up being sent off favorite. Um, there was a change uh, in the sense that Ryan got off just wonderful and rode Zagatova instead. Lady Kaya, who you've talked about before, Kevin, that Sheila Lavery has... Uh, kept this horse and turned down huge offers. But, Jane, to be there and see Patrick Prendergast and, and Ronan Whelan succeed with this daughter of Scat Daddy must have been a, a, a really great moment. And she's a very, very, very exciting horse. Oh, she is. And look, this was the story of the weekend for me because the two stables, uh, Sheila Lavery going head-to-head with Paddy Prendergast in the Curra, in a group one, with their fillies. That was, for me, that was brilliant. Um, Skitter, scatter. Look, Ronan Whelan, the understudy to Kevin Manning for so many years in Jim Boulders, is a top-class rider. Like so many people in Ireland, all they need is the horse to get him to the big stage. And I hope that this filly stays well over the winter because she's very exciting for next year. And just like you say, living in the moment, that was a brilliant performance because Ronan, he waited in behind, he got cover, it looked like Lady Kaya was travelling all over everyone um, with a furlong or a furlong and a half to go. But to be fair, the small filly, she's only a little button. She put her head down and at the line had two lengths in hand. So it was a very brilliant, kind of an emotional day for Paddy Prendergast and, and the Roger family because, you know, it's it's something to, to own a Group 1 winner. But to breed one and run it in your own colours is must be very special. I don't know what it feels like, but for them, it must be very special. It, it, really, and, uh, it really has to be. And and she's been underestimated so much. But you've mentioned her yeah. physique. Is there a fear in your mind about her ability to train on? Oh, there must be, definitely. But even if she doesn't, look, she's won a Group 1 today and they'll enjoy today. But they ran her seven times. They started her off very early, as Paddy alluded to. They, he probably underestimated her himself. He wanted to get out early before all the big guns got out. And who'd have thought, you know, in April at Boven Dundalk that you'd meet Sergei Prokofiev and 
skitter scatter the horses that they turned out to be if you went up there thinking you were going to be half decent with your maiden and you ran into the two of them you'd be coming out fairly long faced you know and I, I remember That's actually watching show. that race thinking sorry get for coffee and how did he get beaten there you know he got beaten a short head but I was disgusted he got beaten because yeah. I had heard this that and the other about him and I was hoping that he, he demolished them and the Irish Rover in third hasn't done too bad for his country either so that was a very good maiden above and Dundalk in <laughs> April. And Skitter Scatter, you know, like I said, very small filly. Whether she trains on next year, the Roger family are going to, if they don't sell her, I don't think they will sell her. I think Sonia Rogers has just wants to enjoy this filly. Um, just a, a fantastic prospect for the future. What I liked about the quote from Patrick Prendergast afterwards, Kevin, was him saying that if she'd been placed, he'd have been thrilled. So the fact that she goes and wins, and we said it on the podcast, not to after time, but yeah, might as well after time. We said it on the podcast, why can't she go and win the Moigler after she won last time out? Uh, and here she is lining up and, and getting it done against the best that are currently around in Ireland. And um, as Jane alluded to, it's great that it's Sheila Lavery against Patrick Prendergast at the end of a group one, because you need to have the smaller stables, so-called smaller stables, uh, being able to showcase their their talents on the big stage, and that's exactly what we got at the current Sunday. God, that's it. And I'm with Jay, and this was the the race at the weekend in many regards. You know, I think the the whole race course probably went. You know, the neutral observers went through a bit of an emotional roller coaster there because it looked like for so long that Sheila Lavery uh, and Robbie Colgan were going to win a, a Group One. You know, with Lady Kaya, she travelled so well and looked all over. And she just got a bit tired and skitter scatter who looked in big, big trouble, you know, just stuck her head down and galloped to the line, galloped through the line and got the job done. And ah, geez, I was I was smiling for hours after this now. I talked about it last week now with Patrick. And again, I say it again because it can sometimes be a thing after after someone has won a big race that everyone pours adulation on them and tells you how, how great a fella they are. But um, Patrick and Ronan. They're just absolute gentlemen. You know, Patrick is his... And he, he'd tell you himself, like, it's to his own cost. He just... There's not an ounce of, of self-promotion in him. You know, it's just not his way. You know, he wants his training to do the talk. And he's always been like that. He's always got results with his two-year-olds. And um, to do what he's done with, with a little filly here that... Um, that, that, you know, despite her pedigree, wouldn't have been all that well sought after. Um, as a yearling, you know, to train her to do what she's done, um, it's just a testament to him as a trainer. And I was just so happy for him. He, he gave wonderful interviews afterwards, and you know, you can imagine. You know, put yourself in Patrick's shoes. He he he's a Prendergast. You know, he's a grandson of, of Darkies. You know, before there was Vincent O'Brien, there was Darkie Prendergast, absolute mm. legend of the training ranks. You know, son of Long Paddy. You know. He grew up with all the with all these. If he didn't experience the group ones himself, he would have been experiencing the tales of, of the group ones that came in years past. And you know, Paddy's been trained. Patrick's been training for fifteen years, waiting for a filly like this, and to get one and for it to happen at the Curra, you know, with his family there. Um, you can only imagine. And you, I think it really came through in the interviews afterwards, just how much it meant. And uh, boss, stop! I, I couldn't stop smiling. I was floating around the car now, so we can only imagine how how he was feeling. And just to echo what what Jane said about Ronan Whelan, like I'm long-term listeners of the pod will know that she's uh, have been a huge have had huge regard for Ronan for an awful long time. And again, just on a personal level, he's such a nice fella. 
like I got to know Ronan a bit better there a few years ago himself and his father bought um, the horse that became Muda Hadi off me as a foal and we would have been talking a lot about him and just a, a humble probably an overly humble fella you know in what is a confidence game you know I think and Patrick said it himself afterwards you know he doesn't always think that Ronan realises how good he is and you know I, I believe that you know because Ronan would say it himself sometimes I, I'm almost certain he said in an interview recently like there's fellas just as good as me in the Irish writing room that don't get and um, that, that aren't riding many winners because they don't get the chances. But there aren't that many better than him in the Irish weighing room. You know, you have to remember that when this fellow was a, a five-pound claimer with Jim Bulger, you know, he couldn't get, he couldn't walk down the road for for some fellow telling them he was going to be a champion jockey. You know, and it's just that same thing that we see again and again. These lads, um, they get the spotlight shone on them when they're 16 and 17 and 18 years of age and their claim goes and they get a bit heavier and all of a sudden, uh, you know, Ronan Wheeler was never on the scrap heap. Um, like like some get thrown on the scrap heap, but the opportunities were certainly less than they were um, when he was the height of fashion. And it, he's a subtle one because he wouldn't be the type to be thrown, to be to be given the poor me routine. But, you know, Ronan has to work very hard at his weight to keep it right. And it's a, it's a, it's a very much a case of suffering in silence. Now, probably a lot of people listening wouldn't even be aware of that, but it's very much real with him. Um, so for him to get that big day, um, for Patrick as well, they have a long-standing relationship. It was just, it was an absolutely magic result. And I, I could talk about it all night, but I won't because it's going to be a long podcast anyway. But I think you, you'll gather just that that was a brilliant result it really really was yeah absolutely spectacular echo everything but that you've said before we move off point now right can i just highlight two things skitter scatter is out of a sister to intense focus by dane mm. hill pedigree isn't too bad at all i'd say they had to give it quite a few quid to buy out three chimneys partnership and number two you missed your opportunity to promote dandy man there Ah, uh, look, sure, with the group one winner, with a great one winner <laughs> late that evening, Jane. Doesn't We're getting to it, are now? we? Doesn't the same number of individual group one winners as Kodiak now, don't you know, Jane? Oh, I'm sure he's a proper hard, star. Ah, stop. <laughs> At a fifth of the fee, no less. Oh, <laughs> Slowly but surely, Kevin Blake will work his way to that dandy man magic. Um, I said I'd get to I, 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 um, I think the story, and I'm fully open to correction here, but um, Skitter Scatter was entered in a yearling sale and didn't make it. And it was essentially, um, I don't think they would have paid as much as you would have thought, Jane, based on the page. Okay, well, she's quite small. Maybe they, did, they didn't think a lot of her. But um, yeah, yeah, I think she was in, she was lost 2000 plus. So she wasn't in one of the more prominent books anyway. Yeah, because she's a small year and I don't think she's she's 100% correct either. So. I think she. I don't think they would have had to pay a fortune, but Jesus did. Uh, if they sent her back through now, they get plenty for her. <laughs> oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, could Leah Kaya, Lady Kaya, be more of a sprinter in your mind, Kev? Yeah, she goes for the Chivalry Park. As far as I know, it's only a two-week gap, but that will suit her really well. Um, like she travelled great. You know, they rode her a bit more forwardly. Um, things went a bit more right for her this time than they did in the debutante and she took a really good step forward and uh, there's definitely more to come from her and I could see her being a, a proper group one filly not just this year now but next year as well 
Um, and I'm not just saying that because of my, my obsession with Danny, man, but I think she's a proper filly. And uh, they were very, very brave to turn down the money they did for her. And it's great to see that, um, her take that step in the right direction. And I, I suspect she'll continue stepping forward as well. Yeah, it looks like she will. And 66,000 is no bad consolation prize over the weekend as well. Um, for you, Jane, would you put Skitter Scatter away now for the rest of the season? I would. Um, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be running her anymore. I think she's done enough. Seven starts at two is a lot. Um, but whether whether they decide, I don't think she's any fancy entries towards the end of the year. I think that was the main goal. Um, and look, it's it was a proper renewal. Like beyond reason, she could have been anything coming into the race. She blew out. Main addition for me had the best form coming into the race. That Albany form with Fairyland and pretty uh, Pollyanna all in that Excellent. race in the Albany. She didn't really. Um, she didn't make any kind of a show so this was a good race and look it was just like we say for two small yards to beat Charlie Appleby Mark Johnson Aidan O'Brien Jim Bulger doesn't happen very often particularly at headquarters here in Ireland so it was it was a race to save her and it's lovely and it's rare to see the crowd uh, gather around the winner's enclosure in the Curra and wait for a horse to come in so that they can applaud the horse and really just appreciate everybody involved yeah, and it was a great, great sight to see as well. Could Zagatova go for the Phillies mile? I honestly don't know. I thought she was. I thought she was going to be very good. Mm-hmm. Not saying that she isn't, but she finished fourth. Kind of never really threatening to get involved. Um, I don't know where. Race. I don't know where these Phillies will go. Um, whether she comes back quick and goes to the Rockwell. Like just wonderful as a head scratcher for me as well. I didn't think Hermosa would be in front of her. So I honestly would be talking through my ears to say that I know where those fillies will end up. All right. Well, we'll wait and see so and prevent you from doing that. Now, the top filly, Havana Gray, made it a brilliant weekend for Carl Burke. <laughs> and it was a sensational performance. Carl Burke coming over here with another filly and winning our prize money. Jane. Yeah. Well, like, was this really a group one? Was this really a group uh, it one? It wasn't. It, like, I tell you, they're going to need, they are really going to need uh, a better standard of horse lining up next year. They got unlucky the blue point didn't turn up because if it's going to retain group one status, then it needs an awful lot better than this. Yeah, I was, look, uh, Havana Gray was the favourite for all the right reasons, had the best form coming into the race. I was thinking some of rest for Fozzie Stack needed uh, Deluge Rain to get involved. He flew home. Sue Nation had every chance for me, but just didn't pick up well enough. Yeah. Uh, take cover as an 11-year-old. Different league is disappointing this year. It was just one of those sprints where I didn't really care. Um, but it, 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 to be honest, very often when you watch a Nuntorp or you watch one of those big sprints, you think at the end of it, if I ran it again, you get a different result. And if yeah. you ran it again tomorrow, you get a different result. But this race was won by the best horse, clear cut, never in doubt. Havana Gray would win it every day. Yeah, a brilliant ride from Richard Kingsgood as well. Kept things simple. Great piece of placing from Carl Burke, 206,000 euro. And uh, the male Havana Gray will, uh, I'm sure, be giving his owners some more great days. Kevin Blake, you broke a story today that had... A sea of blue on the At The Races odds page because Son of Rest goes for the Ergol Cup. Yeah, and look what a trial he ran for it here. You know, he's a horse that's well-established. He, he loves soft ground. Can't be soft enough for him. 
and uh, he's come down the weights a bit to an attractive mark. Um, he was running here, you know, with a view towards the Air Gold Cup, and, and what a stormer he ran uh, to the extent where the handicapper has put him up ten pounds. So he'll get the race off his old mark um, at Air next Saturday. And the forecast is for a pretty relentless rain all week. So um, as, as long as it doesn't get rained off, um, on paper at least, he will look to have uh, a fabulous chance there of, of boosting the form of this newly promoter group one by winning the Air Gold Cup. <laughs> Badly needed. Kevin, before we, and I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent, but how will the rain affect George Bowen? Um, it's not ideal. I think he's best on, on faster ground. Um, but he won a he won a bowl lad premier handicap on so what was a yielding the soft ground once upon a time so seventeen years um, ago it, yeah what was it three years three ago, years ago. Um, uh, it, no it wouldn't be considered ideal now but, but there you go we'll see what happens well he's gonna run so um, and the money's on so we will just have to sit back and wait and see Azira uh, continues Dermot Wells fantastic record in the Moigler Blanford Stakes. And uh, she's just about got up from Ger Lines, who's Steph for George Strawbridge. Uh, Jessica Arrington's I'm so fancy back in third. Jane, your assessment of this race? Good renewal. Um, best filly won, never in doubt. Uh, very straightforward race. Curly went a good solid gallop in front. Declan Tractor. And just picked his moment. Um, who Steph came home very well, particularly... For a filly who hasn't been seen since the Irish Guineas, she's definitely one to keep an eye on with the view to the future. But Azira came in here having gone very well in the Yorkshire Oaks to Coronet and Sea of Class. And if Coronet or Sea of Class were in this, they wouldn't be 11 to 8. They would be 1 to 8. So yeah. it was a very good good renewal for here. I'm so fancy, ran her typical good race. I think you could set her, your clock by her in group 2 or less company. Just She's just not a group 1 filly. But they found they found that on that out in the Prejean Romney. Um, I think she'll do very well the rest of the season. She's so genuine and a very admirable performer. Um, if there was a disappointment, perhaps Broadway. I thought her Royal Whip run uh, merited her to run better, but she didn't really turn up. And uh, not take nothing away from the winner. Dermot Weld always targets this race with a classy enough filly, and uh, he got his winner on Champions Weekend, and that's very important for a big yard like that because. He wants to be seen on the big day too, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Let's get your assessment of both of you of, of Champions Weekend. So the, the ground at Leopardstown, Kevin, was good to firm, I believe. Um, what did you make of the day at Leopardstown? Um, well, look, in terms of the ground, we, we best talk about that because that's been a big talking point. Um, you know, word got out, you know, about, what was it, an hour and a half before racing, that Jar Lines had pulled out three of his five runners. You know, Jer and his brother Shane would be religious walkers of tracks, um, especially Shane, you know, and they, they would take an opinion on the ground. And the fact that they were putting out their runners based on it being, as Jer called it, um, and I, I hope I'm quoting correctly, um, essentially much too firm with an awful covering of grass, um, certainly pricked a lot of ears. Um, I went out and walked it myself after that. Um, didn't walk the whole track, but I, I walked it straight. Um, my view, and I'm not walking tracks every day of the week anymore, but um, I felt the inner track was fine. It was good to, you know, proper, good to firm ground, but it was fine. And the outer track was firmer, for sure, um, in many places, but I didn't think it was horrendous. Um, I would have walked tracks in England now that were officially good to firm, 
and you'd do well to get the, the tip of, of your, your walking stick in at all. Um, there was, you, you could you could get the tip of your stick in here, but not, not much more. Um, I, and I'd look, speaking to some of the senior jockeys and lads that are walking Leopardstown all summer, which again, I'd reiterate, I haven't been doing. And they felt that on the outer track, certainly it was the firmest ground that had been produced there all season. Um, but the thing is, you know, all season, they've obviously had no rain pretty much all summer. But no rain is a beautiful thing for a clerk of a course because they don't have to account for the possibility of rain and they can water accordingly without fear of getting rained on. Um, whereas here, there was rain forecast. And that is just a horrendous place to be. I would not like to be in that position with my hand on the hose pipe, um, having to make a decision the day before your biggest day of the year to water or not when there's rain forecast. They chose not to water. The rain didn't come. And it ended up being a bit firmer than ideal. Um, I would have sympathy for Leopardstown on that. Um, in terms of the grass cover, you know that is that's a legitimate question. Um, they can control how how tight they cut their grass. And Jer's view, and I would respect Jer and Shane's view. And this, they felt it was it was cut too short, and they weren't alone on that. Um, so you know, with a view to improving things for the future, I think that's something Leopardstown will. will would be advised to take on board. But in terms of the decision not to water, I don't want to be too critical because it's really tough. It really is. And the fact that, you know, we had Saxon Warrior, uh, Centauri, you know, pick up career-ending injuries, both in the outer track, I would add. Um, and making light uh, was officially recorded as finishing lame as well um, on the outer track. You know, that's it's just not ideal. It's not ideal, but I, I'm, re I'm reluctant to go in hard at Leopardstown was I can putting if anyone put your put themselves in um in, in their shoes and the decision they had to make the night before it's, it's it's not easy and I can take the argument absolutely on board that you know the ground should be safe um and that should be the first priority but also it's it's the flat it's the summer and there's some horses that, that want good to firm ground and watering out to, to, to ensure um, good ground, I don't think is, is fair either. So it's, it's really tough. It's really tough. And I wouldn't take the easy route of throwing stones at Leopardstown because it ended up firmer than, than it ideally would have been because there's just there's mitigating circumstances there for sure. There was a total of 11 non-runners. Five of them gave the reason of unsuitable ground. Uh, Jane... Are you in agreement with, do you concur with Kevin or do you take a different view? Um, I think as I am in concurrence with Kevin on a lot of it because it's very easy to talk. I wouldn't have the first knowledge of how to start um, managing a track or maintaining ground. Uh, I'm, I'm yet to hear somebody complain about grass being too long. Um, so why it would be cut the other way, I don't know. I just looked up just to get a reference what the official going was the morning of the races so after one mill of rain yesterday which was Friday um, the ground is good to firm on the inner and good to firm on the outer so they said that it was the same on both tracks that isn't accurate um, and then I go on just to check if you withdraw your horse because of going before the races an hour before the races or so and unless there's a change of going you'll be fined Nobody was fined. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, that's very telling. So I think it's been hushed 
very much trying to protect the weekend and the big like they don't want big media headlines blaming the ground for these massive injuries. These injuries could have happened. Who's to say? Anyway, but it's just it's it's been. I feel it's there's a good management feel about this situation that it's being hushed. It's been handled. Yeah. So look, everybody can have their own interpretation of it. Mm. The past is the past, but I do not want to turn up at Leopardstown next year and have the same thing happen again. I hope people learn from this. It's something we we talk about the Curra and their development, and hopefully that people will learn and have the track in peak condition for next year, facilities-wise. These things happen, and I don't want them to happen a second time. Yeah, mm. well said, Jane. Well said, indeed. In terms of the Curra, so you obviously still have temporary stands. Uh, hopefully, this time next year, it will be complete, and it will be everything that we hope for, Kevin. Um, did you enjoy the day, seeing as you were there on from a social perspective? I'll get Jane's professional assessment on it in a second, working for RTE, but how did you enjoy the day? Um, yeah, it was fine. I enjoyed it because it's wonderful racing. You know, I enjoyed the curve when it was an absolute casi, you know, before they knocked down the stands. I always enjoyed the curve because it's fantastic racing mm. and um, you always get a great, you know, core industry turnout there. But, um, look, it's, it's 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 just been okay this year. Certainly better than last year. The crowd was was a comfortable crowd in that, uh, as it was at Leopardstown. It it felt busy enough, but you could still move around. Um, and th- there's pleasure in that. Um, the atmosphere wasn't there to match Leopardstown. I didn't think. Um, you know, the, the for certain results, there was like Patrick Prendergast. Philly got a mighty cheer when she came in, and of course the the last winner, Hamley. Um, got a wonderful cheer, but there wasn't a huge amount of people left to see it, unfortunately. Um, they had Hermitage Green playing after racing there, um, and uh, I'm afraid to say it was a complete waste, really. I, I've been to see Hermitage Green in concert before. They're a mighty band, but They're brilliant. Jesus, no, no one no one was there to see them. Um, now, does that you know, not le- prove, does that not prove that, it's n- that it doesn't matter? Because they are brilliant, and... I don't know if our UK listeners are as familiar with Hermitage Green, but they're a huge band in Ireland. Does that not prove definitively that it's all about the equine stars and not about what you're putting on afterwards? No, it, it doesn't matter. It's, it, it's, it, there's a different culture there in that at Leopardstown, people will hang around afterwards. Um, you know, they, I stuck around for a couple of hours after race on Saturday and a fine big crowd stuck around for the concert and they'll stay in the bars there and the, the crack is mighty for, for many hours after racing. But the Curra, you know, it's a different situation. A lot of people are traveling further to get home from the Curra, perhaps thinking aloud, but people just don't seem to stick around. And by God, the place had a very empty feel about it now come as the last race was being run, uh, which certainly wasn't the case at Leopardstown, I didn't think. Um, maybe that maybe that's a consequence of the programming. You know, you have the ledger, and then a, a you know an auction race that is of limited appeal maybe to many and, and a handicap to round it off, um, and it just felt flat now and I, and that that was an overall point that I was going to make about you know not just Hamley but um, Sparkle and Joy the first race at Leopardstown they were owned by big syndicates and it was fabulous to see and that the Hamley people 
I happened to be standing about five yards away from them and they went absolutely buck ape as that filly um, hit the front and they, they really enjoyed it. It was fantastic to see trained by Peter Fahey, ridden by Ben, ben Cohen. Brilliant, but there was just no one left. There's no one left there. The play, the track was, was three quarters empty, I'd say, if I had to throw a number at it. Um, and look, the Curra is where it is now. Look, the hard yards have been done. Two years of hardship um, are now finished. The next time the, the gates open at the Curra, we'll be going into what will be a marvellous race course. Um, you know, it'll be our equivalent of Ascot. Uh, it, it should be an absolutely wonderful place to go racing. But you just fear that the last two years, there'll be a debt to be paid there in terms of getting people back in the gate. Yeah. And they've had, they've had an attendance restriction for two years now. It was not a nice place to go racing last year. It was better this year, but you know it was still not up to the standard you'd expect of a Group 1 track. Um, so I just hope they get everything right. They're, they're building a big marketing team there at the minute. They're going to have to sort out this parade ring. And it's not just the parade ring itself. You know They've got a crossover um, t- issue there where, where people, a, lot, a great numbers of the public have to cross over the walkway between the pre-parade and the parade and they're being made wait there for quite a long time when there's obviously horses moving down that path. You'd wonder while they're at it, would they put in some sort of a tunnel or something? Because it's just the layout is not very race score friendly um, at the minute. The parade ring is not race score friendly. And I just, these things have been well highlighted. And hopefully now uh, they just get sorted. Like Jane says, they, it, it, they've had a blessing in a way that they've had people in around there for all the season that can, they can give feedback on on what was you know a mistake in the way they've laid out the parade ring amongst other things. You just hope they nail it because I, I don't they, they, they need to be given a second chance by many race scores to go back into the place after the last two years. Mm. And if they don't get it right off the bat, um, or certainly for their first big days, um, they, they, they'll be they'll be they'll be swimming. They'll be swimming upstream, I'd say, because it's it's not going to be an easy job to fill that place, Spar, um, Derby Day and Champions Weekend. I wouldn't like to be the fella in charge of trying to fill it on other days. They've made some vast changes to their program for next year, a lot of Fridays. Um, it's bold. I, I apply, I'll never knock a fella for trying something different if they think it'll work, but it, it's not going to be easy for them now. And I, I wish them the very best. I hope it but it's not going to be easy yeah as do I. I I think the Fridays are interesting the more I think about it the the fact that the St. Ledger is on a Sunday is probably going to contribute to a lot of people leaving as well because you've got work the next day um, whereas Saturday at Leopardstown you can stay there and you can drink but or do whatever it is that you want to do but it remains to be seen how that all plays out but I hope they have a big launch for the Curra and that they are doing offers and trying to encourage people to to go racing there because it's going to be a top-class facility. Uh, In terms of working there for the two days for RTE, Jane, what was the experience like for Irish Champions Weekend for you? Oh, well, the weather was very good, Emmett, so that makes things a hundred times easier. Um, Always much easier when you're able to have a bit of sunshine. The sunshine and the people came out and it was actually a very pleasant atmosphere for what is... You know, the Curra just doesn't usually lack a bit of atmosphere. Um, you know, Kevin hit on a lot of points. Uh, the parade ring, the walkway, the the crossover, you know, they're all major issues. And they have a few small things they need to look at as well. Um, 
they, they showed the Vermeil and the pre-Niel and the pre-Foy on small screens around the restaurants um, and in the bars. Why weren't they on the big screen? Apparently there was a meeting held and the decision was made. I don't care if there was a meeting held and the decision made, was made. It was the incorrect decision. Uh, they, people come sorry, racing. sorry, the ARC trials were not shown on the big screen. No. I, anyway, regardless of whoever and however they came. What kind of absolute nonsense is that? Well, the, the official explanation for not showing races on the big screen is that when horses are in the parade ring, the big screen is of such high quality, and this is literally the official explanation, oh that it, it, spooks the, it spooks the horses. Okay, well, that's, that's not valid. And the other <laughs> thing is the Vermeil was on when there was no horses in the parade ring because I was standing at the railway of the parade ring on the inside where the horses would walk, on, uh, watching it on the at-the-races small screen. Uh, so that was the incorrect decision. That's very easily rectified. Hold your hands up and say you got it wrong. You know, that's an admirable trait in somebody to hold up their hands and yeah. say that they were wrong. That's something that we don't see a lot of. Yeah. Um, the other thing was um, the price of the tickets going in. Ted Walsh alluded to this actually on, on RTE that it was €35 Euro for an OAP to go in. For an OAP to go in, they Oof. should be giving him the race card and let him walk straight through. €35 Euro uh, for St. Ledger Day? Yeah. I think you had a 10 euro discount True. if you were an to go, racing on a, to go racing on a semi-building site. And look, there's, there, there are just little issues that are very easily rectified. As Kevin mentioned, there's more um, bigger tasks ahead as well. There's, do you know what? March will fly around. There's a lot to be done. Yeah. Um, they've got an awful lot of um, critical... Um, they've got a lot of criticism, but they, they should take that on board um, and use it as a positive. You know, um, there's no such bad, there's no bad thing when you when you have an open mind. And they have plenty of people there with intelligent people working on their team. Yeah. If they put all their heads together, their money is no object, as we know. So um, there, there's no reason why when they open in March, they could have a big launch if they want. But if they want a big launch, open it up to everyone. Open the gates, just let them in, let them see it. Don't charge them. And if they want to come back in on the big days, then you can charge them. Let them see it and let them make up their own minds. And don't tell them that it's brilliant. They'll, they'll come up to, to their own opinion anyway. We don't need to read it on the Racing Post telling people that this is great and that's great. The corporate boxes are great. How about the, the stands where normal people stand? Can yeah. they see the races? Yeah, where the race fans are. Yeah. Now, I, think, I think that's a great idea, Jane, in terms of free entry to first. They just says, look, lads, thank you for your patience. Yep. Come in, come in and enjoy this. I hope it will, I hope that the destination was worth the journey. I think that would be a great gesture and a great foot to start the whole thing off on. Uh, because look, you know, we're being critical of it here, but you know, a fella said to me one time, and I, I took it on board that um, you know you should always listen to your critics because they're, if they're being critical of you, it's because they care. Um, and it might sound kind of tough to take at the time, and you might think they're they're throwing digs at you, but. Um, they're doing it because they care. And uh, you would, like like you say, Jen, you would hope the Curra would take these criticisms on board and just nail it. Because we all want the Curra to be a proper showcase for Irish racing and for, for it to be full up and um, to just, you know, to match the quality of the racing on the track. We'd love, we would all love that to be matched by a really passionate crowd and a big crowd. You know, every day there's big racing there. So I'm just, I'm just really hoping they get it right. Well, it's racing's HQ, 
in Ireland. It's Flat Racing's HQ and the clock, I hope, will be back. It says time discloses all. So that point that you made, Kevin, first of all, Jane's nailed it. You nailed it earlier on, Kevin. I'm delighted that you've both made those points. But it also needs to be stated that this is not us just deciding to have a pop at the cura and have a real go because we think it's going to be exciting listening. None of us discussed this beforehand. This is a natural conversation that has progressed. And there's genuine frustrations there. I couldn't go to the Curra. It would have been completely wrong of me to do so. Um, I have other responsibilities right now. So I I watched it on replay, actually, on, on SkyQ. Uh, I had no... I, I sent a message to Kevin saying, do not tell me the results, and watched it and thoroughly enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the racing. It was a brilliant day to, to watch back. But I would have been seriously annoyed if I was out there and couldn't see the arc trials, if I had to go inside to go and watch those. That would have really annoyed me. Um, And the other thing is that every point that's been made by Kevin and Jane, I hope it's genuinely taken on board and that there isn't an attitude of, because this is something that we're very guilty of in Ireland. I'll show you. I'll show you and pay no heed to criticism that's given and take a, a bullish attitude and just go off and, and do it your own way anyway. Don't do that. Just, there is advice. Not every one of us is going to be right, but take it on board and make the right decisions that will benefit racing fans because ultimately, that's what this is all going to be about. And Jane's idea of opening the race course to everybody to allow them to see it and Kevin's way of phrasing it, thank you for your patience. Here's your reward. Have a look around. We hope you enjoy it. And again, what Jane said, don't tell us it's brilliant. We'll tell you. That's the way to do it. I think that's that's absolutely right. And I'm sure they'll get it right. I'm sure they will. I trust them to do it. But you need to listen to what's been said and take things on board. Um, it's going to be exciting next year and, and we'll see how it all plays out. But I, I hope it plays out in the right way. Jane, you mentioned the arc trials. So we'll very briefly touch on them. Uh, kite surf got up to win the Prevermite just from Magic Wand. She looks ideally suited to the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Turf, and I'd imagine that's where she'll go. Kites are probably not good enough for an arc. Probably not good enough for an arc. Magic Wand, uh, it was a very good run from her as well. The two of them were far superior to the rest of the field. Uh, well, if Lottie Dar ran in that race, would she win it? Probably. Probably. Um, yeah. It was a good performance, and look, Take nothing away from the winner. I think Magic Wand is a very good filly. So, you know, it was a good performance to get by her on the day. I'll be honest, it was on such a small screen. All I saw was the last two furlongs. So, um, <laughs> I can't go into depth on it. But the two of them did pull clear. They did. I watched the whole thing uh, on replay and it was it was an impressive... I actually thought Magic Wand had it won. So, it was impressive that... Um, Horse got up to go and win, but I, I would think the Breeders' Cup would suit her. Hunting Horn looked to have it won as well, but uh, a great weekend continued for Charlie Appleby and James Doyle with Brutland winning the pre-Neil. Uh, neither of them, you would think, would look archetypes. However, I think there is an archetype on show, Valgeist. So there's a there's an important story to add in here. Um, Pierre-Charles Bonois had picked up a band in America. Budo, whatever. He picked up a ban in the States. He could defer it for one day, and he chose to defer it for the King George, only for Valkyrie to be withdrawn. And he lines up here in the pre-foy after that and absolutely bolted up under a hands-and-heels ride 
and he was going away at the finish. I thought that was really, really taking, particularly from a Breeders' Cup turf winner in second. Yeah, look, talismanic, cloud of stars, cloud of stars. Um, Capri clearly wasn't at his best. Yeah, but beating beating those two. You know, they're two very good horses. Um, if you're if you're beating them at two and a half lengths and beating them in hand. Um, you're probably not far off what you need to be to be, you know, in the mix uh, for an arc. You know, he obviously won't be one of the sexier types going in, but um, you wouldn't like to rule him out now. He'd be my choice right now, seeing as uh, Enable is even money. Uh, you know, if you got the fancy prices about her fair play, but right now he'd be he'd be my choice. Uh, Capri ran well for uh, quite a while and then just folded like a cheap deck chair, Jane. I think it's fair enough to say that uh, we're lucky to even see Capri back this season. So yeah. it was good to see him back and to see him in public. Um, must just mention Irish Derby from last year. You know, we criticised the Irish Derby from time to time. Last year's renewal was a cracker, wasn't it? Yeah. Capri beating Cracksman and Wings and um, and Valgeist and Wings of Eagles. That was some race. Mm, um, to be fair, I think Valgeist is a very good each-way bet in the arc, but I'd be very disappointed if he was good enough to win it. He just strikes me as a horse who's a very good yardstick without being a champion. Um, Andre Farb has never really waxed lyrical about him. I know he's a man of few words anyway, but he's just <laughs> kind of gone under the gone under the radar, this horse, and he wins away at Group 2, Group, group uh, 3 level, and he's come into his own this year. Um, I know he beat decent, decent yardsticks in Cloth of Stars and Talismatic, but they are probably gone beyond their best. Um, mm. I would not pick him over Sea of Class or Enable at this stage, but look, France have to have a couple of contenders in their big race, and he's probably their leading contender at the moment. Oh, he's 100% their leading contender, and the, the thing that I would take away from that race is I can't imagine for one second he was fully wound up. So if he can do that there, then what can he do on the big day? I, I hope something special, but uh, it'll have to be to go and beat Enable. And then Charlie Appleby's weekend got even better as Jamie Spencer guided Lapalosa to go and win the uh, grade <laughs> one in Woodbine. We um, leave Kevin go first here, will we? Yeah, on you go, Kev. Take it away, my friend. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Sweet justice for Lapalosa. After getting touched off at Royal Ascot, and nearly murdered in whatever race that was behind um, Dandyman. Bit behind Pretty Pollyanna. Talk the, about uh, Dandyman. The, the Duchess of Cambridge. Um, but yeah, th this was great. Up to a mile. Um, really good ride by Spencer. He probably went a bit hard in front. And, um, he delivered her well. And uh, yeah, a grade one winner for Dandyman. His second one after after Pineophobia. Uh, well earned. What a season he's Pineophobia had. Pineophobia won a grade one where? Um, Hong Kong at the international meeting, world class mm. racing, world, world class. class. Racing. Yes. And where did Lapalosa win her grade one? Canada. Mm. Woodbine. <laughs> Woodbine. World, world class racing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with it. Listen, Jane. If we get a final Furlong podcast invitation to go to the Canadian international and to go to Hong Kong to do live podcasts from there. You know, we'll do it. We'll we'll happily do it, and we will we will sing and dance about how incredible the facilities are and how it's a great holiday destination. Well, and of course, Jane, you have to note that Dandyman this year has had more two-year-old winners than No Name Ever, Zaphony, Dark Angel, Oasis Dream, Siuni, Scat Daddy, Showcasing. 
and exceeding Excel, so on and so forth, you know, so uh, the numbers stack Interesting, numbers interesting stack point, interesting point. <laughs> and you're going to tell us about his fee now in a minute, are you? Yes, what is his fee, Kevin? At uh, 10,000 euros, he's very affordable, far more and, affordable um, than, than any of those stallions. I've and tell me, how bit. much of a share in him do you own? A massive <laughs> one. <laughs> I don't think, you see, here's well, the thing. Well, iron, ironically enough, I, I've been driving the Dandyman train, myself and Joe Foley up there at the front seat for years now. And the one year I don't have a year or a foal by him myself to sell, um, is the year where everything seems to be clicking. But uh, the good Witty Blake has, has a fitty by him to sell at uh, Fair House next week, so hopefully he'll reap the benefits. Jane, <laughs> you should be putting in a bid for Willie Blake's Dandy Man Philly. Jeez, <laughs> uh, Emma, I need to make a few, Bob, not to be spending it. Don't you know, be I think... cotton as it all now. I... You're on that RTE <laughs> gravy. Uh, yeah, so gravy, yeah. And then put in a few bids, and then all of a sudden you've got the Coolmore team. I'm bidding. landed with a two-year-old, and no, 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 my, that won't my happen. Dandy man, and that... Jimmy is shooting me because she can't go up the hill at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, because what's going to happen then is is Sheikh Mo will have the little bags, and he'll start making bids, oh, start throwing cash into the into the centre. Then the Magner team, the Coolmore team, they'll start having a go, and then you can step back, and we'll all take a percentage. <laughs> and Kevin doesn't have an ownership. So, so you want you want Jane to give to give the Magters and the, the Al Magtooms a bit of a drive. Yeah, oh, I for want, a dandy man. I want silly. I want her to, to. I want I want Michael Tabor silks with Willie Blake's dandy man Philly next season. With, well, well, to be to be fair now, it sure isn't that Pelosa good Alpen Philly. They were more than happy to buy a, yeah. a dandy man Philly there now. Yeah, and oh, yeah. I'm not condemning them at all. But now that now that we're on this subject, has he ever bred a good colt? <laughs> oh, well, Pinophobia was a great colt until they gelded him. <laughs> Two dogs once again, very very happy. Uh, with that job being done. Don't forget, Kevin Buckley listens to this podcast. So Kevin th- Buckley's a shrewd man. I have no doubt he listens to this podcast. <laughs> uh, Jane, Jane, we're making you a permanent fixture. Sorry, Vanessa. On that gone. note now, I'd say that that's nearly the end of it, is it? That, that's pretty much, we're pretty much done. We're pretty much done. <laughs> just, just, just so the listeners know now, this, this podcast was greatly delayed because of Emmett's power cut. As poor, I said old Jane sat, poor old Jane sat down to watch a film and had to jump up halfway through it to come talk shite with us. So we better let her back to the film. By I'm the way, sure what film are you watching? Now, I read Angels and Demons after the Da Vinci Code and I went to watch Angels and Demons, but I had to stop there. We're in the Vatican and we're looking for the first church. Good old Tom Hanks. <laughs> we'll let you back to that. I have breaking news for you. Breaking news, which has just come through from Producer D to the final Furlong Podcast Studios, Lawrence will be heading to Churchill Downs and will be staying in training next year. Uh, there we go. So that is... Straight the, to the Breeders' Cup. Straight to the so Breeders' Cup. So I can fly in the Phillies and Mares and Donca- or in Ascot. The, 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 sun, the, the Sun Chariot, away and gone. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah, Sun Chariot. Yeah, so she's going she's gonna to head to America in November, exclusively live and at the races. The Breeders' Cup mile is under consideration for her as well, but that mm. is where she's going to be going, and she will stay in training next year. Away she's- and gone. 
Diesel woman to get the to get the info, isn't she? I tell you, I, I don't know how she puts up with Kevin Blake and how she manages to get all these exclusive stories. Jane, thanks so much for your time. Get back to that film. Spoiler alert, it's awful. But um, Shut up! <laughs> enjoy it as much as you can. Um, brilliant work on RT over the weekend. And thanks so much for joining us. We'll chat to you again very, very soon. Thank you. Good luck. Good luck to Jane. Kevin, you're back with me on Thursday. In the meantime, you're off to the Plowing Championship. Oh, yes. <laughs> Heading up for the day tomorrow, yeah. Why not? Which means... The weather's, the, weather, the weather's supposed to be good. Which means it will rain relentlessly and your Audi A5 will get stuck in the muck. But it, it is great crack, though. It is a, a great place to be, in fairness. Uh, that's a good day out that's a good day out the other thing I will say is that Nick Luck and I uh, promoted a show recently on this very podcast called Bodyguard which I very much hope you've been watching it's from I heard a rumour that tailed off a bit nonsense absolute who said that to you I read it on social media really so some dum dum wrote (laughs) That one of the best dramas, bear in mind there's only six episodes, that has had an unbelievable twist, tailed off a bit. Absolute (laughs) nonsense. Uh, If you are in the UK, you have access to the BBC iPlayer. If you are yet to watch it, watch it. It is absolutely brilliant. Keely Hawes, Richard Madden. Keely Hawes was in Line of Duty. (laughs) Richard Madden was in Game of Thrones. Watch it. You uh, will love it. Hashtag Kennedy loves name checking random actors and actresses. Random <laughs> actors and actresses. <laughs> Keely Hawes is a multi-award winning actress who was in Line of Duty. Richard Madden was in Game of Thrones. Spoiler alert. He's the Stark at the Red Wedding. Uh, stop. Go on, let's wrap it up. I need to go to bed. <laughs> so Mondays we're going to end with a song. Kevin, uh, you ended oh, with yes. the Saw Doctors last week. So I'm going to choose a song from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. No, no, really? Yeah. Ah, yeah. here. This is abuse of position now. I am choosing one oh, of Fleetwood here. Mac's best ever songs. Oh, okay. That's all right. That, that sounds more encouraging. The Chain. And we'll leave you with that. Uh, we're back on Thursday. So hopefully you can join us then on AtTheRaces.com. From Jane Mangan, from Kevin Blake. Good luck. From Producer D, somewhere in the background, and from me, Emmett Kennedy, we will talk to you on Thursday evening as we look ahead to the weekend on the Final Furlong Podcast. Talk to you then. God bless.
final Furlong podcast is sponsored by Unibet. Sign up now using code ATR-30 to get your welcome offer. BeGambleAware.org, 18+. Plus. Have you downloaded the free app, The Races app yet? With easy-to-use race cards and form, expert daily tips, plus video replays and in-app betting, it's the app that no racing fan's phone should be without. Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile, visit attheracescom forward slash app for more details.